When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Um, you ready for a few for real or fugazis? I sure am. All right, let's do it. We do this every Thursday episode. It's one of the most fun things we do. I've got a list of sentences in front of me here. I will read them as if they are fact. John will then assess it, and if he agrees with what I'm saying, he says for real. If he disagrees, if he thinks it's phony, if he thinks it's 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 wrong, it's stupid, whatever the case may be, he says, Bugazi. Ooh, Gazy. That's uh, Tommy DeVito for counterfeit or fake. This is Tommy uh, DeVito's agent. Yeah, yeah. Sean Couldn't Stilato he step right into name. an episode of The Sopranos? If they ever do a – well, they can't do a remake unless they do Tony's Kid – uh, one or one of his kids, yeah. they got to have his agent, Sean, whatever his name is. John Stilato, yeah. John Stilato. Yeah. Um, okay, let's start there real quick. It's impromptu for real or fugazi. For real or fugazi, John, Tommy DeVito came along 15 years, or I guess it'd be like 20 years too late. Otherwise, he would have definitely, like Eric Mangini before him, had a cameo appearance in an episode of The Sopranos. I think that's for real right now. They're probably lining up to get Sean Stilato and his pupil, uh, Tommy DeVito, oh. in uh, any show they can get because those two are so hot in New York, nobody's talking about Zach Wilson. No, I know. It's crazy. And I thought just watching, just observing Stilato, like he looked like somebody – I if I'm totally judging the book by its cover, like I knew nothing about him before that game. And with the getup that he had on, I'm like this. And the fact that Tommy DeVito is undrafted, I'm like, God, this looks like it's probably like a buddy of his who says I'll be, I, who wants to get into being a sports agent. So DeVito like did him a solid and let him represent him and whatnot. Stilato's got a lot of clients. As it turns out, I listened to an interview he did with Boomer and Geo on WFAN underdog clients. He's been an agent. He's big time. Five, played yeah. running back at Marist and he's, Tight with his daddy. That's okay. where he got to end with Tommy. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, John, here we, we go. Some for some uh, some actual for real or fugazis. John, um, Davis Mills is going to start the game on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. But for real or fugazi, Case Keenum will see action on Sunday. Fugazi. Davis Mills is going to play well enough where Case will be on the sideline with the headphones on. What kind of rope do you think Davis has in this game? I think he's got a good rope because if he's not, unless he just throws a bunch of balls off target and throws a couple interceptions, I don't think he's coming out. But if he turns the ball over, I think he will because they understand the players he's got around him. Stroud, they couldn't do anything for Stroud last week. And so if they don't do anything for Mills, it won't be surprising. But if he throws bad and they're intercepted, then we'll see Case. All right, John, next one. We mentioned Jonathan Grenard a little bit earlier. He's one of a handful of Houston Texans who are in contract years and going to be free agents after the season is over. Dalton Schultz is another one. Steven Nelson is another one. A uh, handful of others. Sheldon, John, Rankins. For, 
Sheldon Rankins. Right, right. But, John, for real or Fugazi, Jonathan Grenard is the biggest priority out of all of those potential free agents. Oh, that's for real. He's got first double-digit sacks as Watt in 2018 when he had 16. And Jonathan is really good against the run. That's what sets him apart from a lot of edge rushers. And he wasn't uh, in the past, but they have made him into a good run defensive end, mainly because of coaching and discipline for him to set the edge. So he's going to be a hot property because I'm guessing, Sean, he'll get another two or three sacks and it's going to cost the Texans a lot of money and they'll put a budget on him and they won't exceed it. But boy, to me, if you're going to play a lot of pay a lot of money, do it for your guys. You know, very well, don't do it for a player coming from another team. You don't. Yeah. He's John. And this is the thing too. You know, Grenard's other good season was two years ago in 21, where he had eight sacks in 12 games that year. But even that year, it was almost like he had eight sacks, but it felt like that was most of the times that he was able to disrupt the pocket. He got a sack. He was able to get the quarterback on the ground. There have been so many more downs and snaps that Jonathan Renard's been playing this year where he's just been disruptive. Like, he's just around the pocket a lot more this year. You know, and obviously he's got 10 sacks. So, yeah, he's around the pocket. I'm just saying, like, I think at, like, the end of the um, – the Denver game, like his pressure is what forced Russell Wilson to throw that interception. There's been so many plays like that where he's collapsing the pocket. Maybe somebody else is getting a sack as opposed to every time he's showing in 21, it felt like every time Jonathan Grenard showed up, you know, in the pocket, he got a sack. So it's not like he was super disruptive all year. It's just that he happened to get the quarterback on the ground on the rare occasion that he was getting into the pocket. Like he is become an all around really disruptive, solid defensive end this year. And when Nick Casario is trying to decide what to do, he's got to remember Grenard was hurt every year. Contract year, he's healthy. You always worry about that. Yep, no doubt. All right, John, one of the big games this weekend is Buffalo. The Bills are hosting the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys, one of the hottest teams in football. Bills Cowboys. Bills are one of the seven and six teams that the Texans are, uh, are competing with right now. I would contend they're the most dangerous of those seven and six teams. That's just my opinion because of their point differential and their quarterback. But, John, for real or Fugazi, Buffalo wins this game. They are in the playoffs. I think that's for real. I think they're going to make the playoffs. they got a really tough schedule. They've lost some tiebreakers. But ever since Joe Brady was promoted over Ken Dorsey, they've played better. And and out Josh Allen's not turn the ball over like he did. They're still letting Mm -hmm. him run it, but he's just not committing the turnovers, throwing it into tighter windows based on his arm strength. A lot of that has to do with the time of year when the wind picks up. But right now they may be the most dangerous potential wild card team in the NFL. And boy, Texans fans got to be pulling for the Cowboys. They got to be cheering. Go Dak, go Mike. Go CD because they need the Cowboys to win. Dude, go Brandon Cooks. They got to root for Brandon <laughs> Cooks, John. How's that feel? How's that yeah. taste? And and you know what? It's just the kind of game the Cowboys could lose to beat Philly oh, yeah. at home. Everybody's fired up. The the teams they've beaten on the road, Giants, Panthers, and I I think the Jets. Yeah. That combined record is just terrible. It's awful. Yeah, it's awful. They need a signature win on the road. Buffalo would be a good one. Yeah, and I think just from the Buffalo perspective, for those wondering, okay, why do you say they're in the playoffs, Sean? If they win this game, they're eight and six. You know, they still got work to do because they play New England. They play the Chargers with no Justin Herbert. Hell, maybe even with a fired coach at that point. 
Um, and then they play Miami the last week of the year in Miami. But, John, they destroyed Miami earlier this year. And Miami, like, as a rule, they lose to good teams and they beat up on they beat up on the sissy teams. Um, Miami does. So I, I, I think if Buffalo wins this game, I think they win out. That's my opinion on them. I think they go 11-6, and six, and that's one less spot available for the Houston Texans. You're right. You got to be a Cowboy fan this weekend, people, as much as that hurts. Um, John, along those lines, getting into the playoffs – we know the Rockets twelve and nine on the season right now. They won eleven in a row at home. They I are watched a, them last nine. They are a good basketball team right now, and they won a road game against the hardest of all the opponents, the defending world champions in altitude, um, against the Denver Nuggets. John, for real or for Gazy, the Rockets will play a playoff game in their sport before the Texans play a playoff game next in their sport. I think it's for real, but if you take off, say Fred VanVleet and then you take out uh, Jalen Green and have the kind of debilitating injuries the Texans have had, it's not going to happen. But I love watching the Rockets. When they beat Memphis, they had three players in double digits on rebounds. And at the end of the game, when it was close and they put it away, Jalen Green and Alpi Sengun were not in the game. Right. Tari Eason has just gone crazy the last two games with a career high in points and rebounds. So Emi Doka, like D'Amico Ryans, is doing a great job. That puts a lot of pressure on Joe Espada. Yeah, man. He's going to have to do as well as the Astros' new manager because he's following in some big footsteps with Dusty Baker and A.J. Hinch. But uh, it's amazing if he continues what the Astros are doing. There's no reason to think he won't. Yeah. How fortunate. Our teams have been to hit on the right coaches after failing for so long, except the Astros. Yeah, the the um, it, the Adoka and D'Amico hirings have been uh, they've been home runs. Um, all right, last two, John. Um, NBC has four playoff games every year that they broadcast. Um, three on the network, and then they're doing one on Peacock this year. Three of those four are going to be called by their main team of Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. The fourth one in years past, has been called by Al Michaels and a color analyst. Last year was Al Michaels and Tony Dungy doing that big comeback against Jacksonville, or big comeback Jacksonville had against the Chargers last year. Al Michaels was roundly criticized for his complete lack of energy in the call of that game. Perhaps as a result, John, Al Michaels will not be calling a playoff game on NBC this year. It'll be Ian Eagle's son, Noah Eagle, that'll be calling that other Playoff game on NBC for real or Fugazi. Al Michaels, after that performance last year in the playoffs, deserved to have his playoff game pulled from him. Fugazi, because he does games weekly on Amazon. I just I think it's terrible. Obviously, they want to go with a young guy. He's 27 years old. He's very talented. But Al Michaels is a staple of the NFL, staple of uh of uh, playoff games as well. I've been a Bill big Al Michaels fan. Plus, he's a really good guy. Is he? Uh, in my dealings with him, yes, and and I've got a soft spot in my heart for Do You Believe in Miracles? Yes, so mm-hmm. I wish Al Michaels didn't have to go out this way. And Paul Marchand in New, uh, New York Post is the one that told him he yeah. was out, and Al was incredulous. He said, "It's yeah. in my contract. How did yeah. you find this out? That is yeah. not the way you handle something where the guy's meant so much to sports, not yeah. just the NFL for decades." I don't know Michaels like you do. I just I've been really disappointed with the energy level on his calls of some of these Thursday. Oh, no, I have games too. I just don't think he deserves to be out. Yeah, there. yeah, no, no. And I, I'm 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 
getting around to agreeing with you on on part of this, which is um, that nobody should find out from a reporter that you're losing part of your gig. Like that's that's just that's um, that's unconscionable uh, for for uh, NBC to have it leak to Bob Marchand and Marchand be the guy basically to break the news to Al Michaels that he's getting that playoff game taken from him is that's deplorable. Um, and I also have a soft spot for Al Michaels because I believe he is a fellow degenerate gambler like I am. So um, I have a soft spot for that. He's <laughs> Maybe he John, needs he, the money. He and Brent Musburger, right. He and Brent Musburger were always at the forefront of doing like very thinly veiled references to the spreads and totals in games. I always respected that out of Al Michaels. All right, you ready, John? Last one. I'm ready. Do you watch Christmas movies, John? Sure. Okay, Christmas movies, John. Um, Amy and I uh, sat down on Tuesday night, and we watched the greatest Christmas movie of all time. For real or Fugazi, Elf is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Fugazi, give me a break. Elf. What are you talking about? Give me a White break. Christmas, like Home Alone, It's a Wonderful Life. Ugh. You like those old movies. It's a Wonderful Life. You like a Christmas story too? Classics, of course. The Red Rider, BB Home Alone, Gun. That's not an old movie. 1990. No, no, Home Alone's not. You're right about that. I um what about Christmas Vacation? Do you like that one? <laughs> I my dad full. my dad used to think that was the greatest Christmas movie ever made. And every time I would go home to Waco, he would want to play it all day, keep it on a tape. And I just got sick of it. I thought it was funny the first 50 times I saw it. Now, I have not watched it since my dad died in 2007. All right, here we go. Now, now we, we may need to bring, we may, James, if you're able to jump in here, I don't want to just read you in the chat. Let's, we haven't done this yet. If James, James, if you can inject yourself, that's James Jackson. Oh my our producer, God, everybody. James on James, camera. James Jackson, our producer, just put it in the chat. Philly. I know, um, I know. His top four Christmas movies, counting down, Die Hard, Polar Express, The Grinch. Mm -hmm. Are we talking the cartoon Grinch or the one oh, with Jim, uh, Carrey. Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey's Grinch. Jim Carrey's and Grinch. Then, and then you have Home Alone number one. I think Home Alone number one is is, is that is a fair number one. I think where you're going to get debate and discussion That's is fine. exactly what the follow-up was, Die Hard being a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Die absolutely a Christmas, a Christmas, Christmas movie because Thank the you, John. whole theme is Christmas. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you. What do you mean the theme is Christmas? The, the theme, theme is, is Christmas all around. Attacking a building. He went home for a Christmas, for a Christmas party. Christmas. Yeah, yep, yep. It's all around Christmas. It doesn't have to be centered around what they do at Christmas, but the Christmas time period music? is Christmas. All that. All that. Um, and then wait, wait, you guys seem to disagree about, about the Grinch and Polar Express, too. Polar Express yeah. is, is a polarizing movie, no pun intended. Yeah. Either either love it or you hate it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a Polar Express guy. The Grinch. I, can I tell you, I've never seen the the Jim Carrey version of the Grinch, so I can't I, I can't That's take crazy. you to task for that one, James. If I haven't seen it, then I can't. You know, I, I have a hard time criticizing well, that selection. That's cool, Sean. Now we you have homework before our next. Yeah, uh, I gotta watch the Grinch. I promise that by next week's for real or for Gazy, I'll come back with a movie report there on we the go. Grinch. I love yeah. Jim Grinch, the the animated one. My wife watches that constantly leading up to Christmas, and I've watched it once, and I guess it's okay, but she recites the dialogue, and I go in another room. <laughs> Nothing she recites the whole thing? Like all the Dr. Seuss stuff? She can do that with a lot of Christmas movies. Really? Sings the songs like in White Christmas before Bing Crosby sings White Christmas. Mm -hmm. She knows dialogue on Home Alone. 
I'll give you an underrated one, an underrated Christmas one. You guys may not have seen it, but it's a it's an old Jim Henson joint with uh, you know the it's the guy who invented the Muppets called Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. I've heard like, of it. I've never it's like seen it. It's 25 minutes long. It's it not long. I've heard of it. It's a short, right? It'll like it's a short, Yeah, it's probably yeah. like 20, 25 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's it is uh it's it's very, very good. You know, if you go into it knowing you're expecting like Muppet level humor kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, then uh, it's it's uh to the to our listening audience and viewing audience, if you're looking for a new one, you're looking to mix a new one into the rotation, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. It's probably about 40 years old, almost that one. I will leave you guys with this. I do think Elf is a little bit of an overrated Christmas movie. Love Wolf Ferrell. Here, here. I, John, we're on the same page here, John. Yes, we are. We're on the same page. And I got one thing to say before we go. Yeah. You can die a. <laughs> yes. You die a. Die a. Die.